0: The Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney+. Plus, Full of stories and love for all. This is Virgin Radio Pride. We're here! We're, queer! We're not really shopping! We're
1: here! We're queer! We're not really shopping! We're here! We're, queer! We're, really We're, here! We're queer! One of my favourite Pride chants of all time. I'm not sure I ever fully understood it. But when I heard it at my first Pride back in 1991 on the streets of London, it filled my heart with joy. And just being surrounded by hundreds of other out-and-proud, fabulous LGBTQ people put a huge grin on my face. Just a couple of years earlier, it was still the 1980s. I was a teenager in the closet, and I thought I'd never be able to come out. There were gay men in the mainstream, of course. Some even sang about gay love. there were no lesbians in the 1980s were there? Well that's how it felt anyway. But on that day in 1991 I couldn't believe how many of us there were I couldn't believe how many people were prepared to stand up and be counted and tell the world that they too love someone of the same gender or they too were questioning their gender or rejecting the binary. It was mind-blowing. And speak to pretty much any LGBTQ person who's been out a while and they'll say the same thing You always remember your first pride. It makes you feel validated. It makes you feel safe. It makes you feel counted. It makes you feel loved. It makes you feel like it's okay to be you. In short, it matters. Pride matters. So what do you do if you can't get out and get to your local pride march? What do you do if you're literally locked away and one of the 81,000 people in England and Wales currently behind bars? According to the latest research from the Prison Reform Trust, 22% of women in prisons identify as being gay or bisexual. That's way higher than the national average. For male prisoners, it's 5%, still higher than the general population. And 0.3% of prisoners identify as trans. I'm Emma Goldswell, and this is Pride Inside on Virgin Radio Pride. Over the next hour, I'm going to find out if LGBTQ plus prisoners feel safe enough to come out. Are they supported by the prison system? And how do other prisoners react to them? And if they are comfortable enough to be out, how do
2: they celebrate pride?
1: You'll hear from people who have gone into prisons to work with LGBTQ plus prisoners.
2: They were like, ah, if my brother says he's gay, I'm going to shoot him in the face and and all this. And then I thought, okay. then I have to start working with these guys first and foremost. And uh, like I told them, you're at work. We're going to have a pride parade in this prison no matter what you say, because you don't decide that. I decide
3: that. It's a lot more accepting now than than it's ever been. I think there's still pockets of homophobia. I think some of the staff that are standing up more and being more visible. I myself am a member of PIPs, which is like the LGBT plus um, staff support network. So we always make sure like on uh, Pride, we've always got our badges on. I always wear my NHS Pride flag.
1: From prison officers who are out and proud.
4: I would rather be on a plane to Iraq. Than, than walk back into a prison as a trans man. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. You know, to this day, it is, still is the most terrifying thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I ever did.
1: And someone you might not have expected to have visited a prison.
4: My
0: name is Cheddar Gorgeous. I'm a self-professed cultural icon, drag queen and unicorn based here in the wonderful northwest.
1: And several former prisoners will be telling their stories too.
0: I had a better experience in prison as a trans woman than I did
5: as a gay man. Prison was hard, the mental health side was hard, the loneliness was hard, being in a cell on my own was hard, but I was safe, I think. I was quite safe.
6: You realise a lot of people are straight, come in, you know, come in straight, and then they turn, you know, to the ladies for a bit of comfort <laughs> and, uh, yeah, change their orientation and their preference.
1: What you won't hear in the next hour is why those people were in prison. We're not here to find out what they've done in their past or to judge them. They've all been judged by the courts, served their time, and have now been released. We're here to talk about the experience of some of the most marginalised people in our society. Now, I've worked in prisons for years, mainly at HMP Style in Cheshire, which is one of the biggest women's prisons in the north of England. I was there working for a brilliant charity that trained prisoners in radio and audio skills, And I was lucky enough to set up the first ever radio station in a women's prison in the UK. Now, when I arrived, the governor made it very clear that I should never judge the prisoners. And really, that any one of us could end up in prison. You never know what life is going to throw at you. So many of the women had committed a crime, yes, but they were victims too. So many struggled with addictions... And the mental health of most of the inmates meant that self-harm incidents were frequent and terrifying. Most of that is probably for another documentary, but I wanted to point that out. One thing that is fundamental to your mental health, of course, is being able to be open about who you really are. And how many prisoners feel confident, happy or safe enough to come out. TV shows like Orange is the New Black or Bad Girls are overflowing with lesbians having relationships. But is it really like that?
6: Don't worry, I'm not going to get caught.
1: You are completely mad! I love you.
6: Tell me you love me.
1: Well, I was gobsmacked working at HMP Style to find out that, while it wasn't quite as glamorous as the TV shows made out, yes, it was. There were lesbians everywhere.
7: It's literally like lesbian love island they're constantly swapping partners
1: that's mikey a trans man who previously identified as a lesbian when he first went into the women's prison hmp style in 2019 i think lesbian love island is probably an exaggeration but the women i met had no qualms about coming out to me and telling me all about their girlfriends and their relationship problems as the prison reform trust research shows one in five women inside identify as gay or bisexual No one I met seemed to know why that was, but it is very different to the outside world. Mikey told me that contrary to what you might expect, for a lot of people, prison is actually the ideal place to come out. It's mad, like, you
7: can't really put it into words unless you've been into, like, prison. It's hard to explain it, but a lot of people in there say being in jail... Even though you're trapped, it can also be, like, the most free that you'll feel because you have no worries, no responsibilities. You just take each day at a time and you're just trying to get through your sentence. But along the way, you do make some great people, some great experiences and a lot of life lessons and it's easy to just be you in there. Like, you don't have to pretend, you don't have to... Like do anything, you can just be you and people will accept you as who you are and it's just it's a nice feeling
1: I guess that is the point of prison
7: isn't it you yeah. are there really to reflect like we're all there because we've made a mistake yeah. and it's just it's mad like no matter what situation you're in like these ladies in there that have been in domestic abusive relationships they say they go in there that's the freest they've felt, there's people in there that are gay and they've not come out on the outside but in jail they have and that's the freeze they felt and obviously the same with transgender these people that are identifying as a different gender because that's the gender that they was born but they're trapped inside the wrong body but they don't want to admit it to the people that they're closest to on the outside because they're afraid of not being accepted and stuff, but in jail you can get accepted because there's a lot of people like you and in there there's the correct support. As soon as you voice a, a, a concern, anything like that, you put straight into, obviously, the right situation, like, pointed in the right direction of the people that can help you. Like, you've got safer custody and, like, the LGBT groups, you've got, like, certain transgender officers that are in... Um, in charge of those like diversity groups and stuff and they, they can really
1: help you out. Despite being an out and proud lesbian, another ex-prisoner I chatted to wanted to change her name for this programme. Let's call her Rachel for now. She was also in HMP style but over 10 years ago and she agreed that there were a lot of gay and bisexual women in there during her time inside.
6: Yeah, there was definitely quite a few and then there was... I guess, obviously, I'm not sure if you heard of the terminology, like being gay for this day, you realise a lot of people are straight, come in, you know, come in straight, and then they turn, you know, to the ladies for a bit of comfort <laughs> and, uh, yeah, change their orientation and the preference. But, yeah, it was quite, um, I- I'd say I felt quite open and comfortable to be gay, definitely, yeah. Because yeah. I
1: guess there are a lot of other lesbians as well who were, who are out and proud and people yeah. would talk about it, would they?
6: It was one of the forefront conversations. Uh, people were definitely not shy about coming forward when it came to things like that.
1: How did the prison and the officers um, deal with that? Were they happy for people to be out and proud? Were they happy for prisoners to have relationships?
6: When I was there, they were okay for you to be out and proud and to have relationships, but to be in a relationship on this, in the same house um, or in the same dorm, etc., cetera, was definitely frowned upon.
1: This phenomenon of gay for the stay, as the women in HMP style put it, is something I'd never heard of before I'd worked in prisons. Mikey told me about it too. It baffles my head sometimes. Like you'll get
7: people in there that come in, see the street, and obviously end up turning gay for the stay. So they'll be getting walked to the visit to see their husband and the kid by the girlfriend and then going kissing the husband on a visit, coming straight back out, and the girlfriend's waiting for them, and it's just the most normal thing ever. It's
6: bizarre. This is funny. I've had it where I was... She was technically gay, and then somehow we've got together... I was, like, flirting with her. I thought she was extremely attractive. And then it must I don't know. We've become, we become attracted to each other by the end of it. And I was on a visit with my family, and she was on a visit a few tables away with her boyfriend, long-term boyfriend. So... You know, there's strange occurrences like that, definitely. It was like, and I was like, that's my family. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. It was, it was pretty funny, yeah.
1: So it's pretty run-of-the-mill to be in a same-sex relationship in a female prison. But what about in men's prisons? I'd always suspected it was very different.
8: Hi, I'm Andrew Lee, Custodial Manager at HMP Ascombe Grange. I'm in charge of Diversity and Inclusion.
1: Askham is a Category D open prison near York for women usually at the end of their sentences. But before that, Andy worked in men's prisons and told me that men were reticent to come out.
8: It was extremely rare, and if it was known, it wasn't known by staff. It would be a close-knit between their fellow peers. Why is
1: that, do you think? It's very, very different between the sexes, isn't it?
8: Yeah, I think there's a lot more stigma attached to males. Especially in a a prison environment, because it's highly fuelled by testosterone and every other issue in there. Uh, So to add that into the mix as well, you'd have the problems of sharing cells. There's quite a few people that are probably in prison for homophobic attacks. So it probably is a lot harder to come out in the male community than it would be in the female. We've got
1: another Andy now and another Equalities Manager.
9: All right, my name's Andy Ritchie and I am the Equalities Manager at HMP Wisley. Uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him and his. Um, I've been an Equalities Manager at HMP Wisley for just on four years now. Uh, before that, I was a Uniformed Officer at HMP Liverpool for 10 years.
1: I told him my theory that it was a totally different ball game in men's prisons compared to women's prisons where it's fairly easy to be out and proud.
9: Yeah, and I'd say that's a fair comment. I'd say that's a fair comment in society as well at the moment. Um, my own personal opinion is, um, if two women are walking down the road holding hands together, no one bats an eyelid, the odd, pe- the odd person might look backwards or something like that. Two guys walk down the street holding hands together, they'd, they'd be subjected to all sorts of abuse and wolf whistling and derogatory comments being made. As I said, that's my personal opinion. In a, in, a, in a male prison as well. It's, I'd say it's the same. There's a, the lads are a little bit more reluctant to come out in a male prison. I've seen I've been to female prisons before and I've seen how open it is in a female prison. I don't know whether that's just society or whether that's just the way things is. but at, as I said it's at Risley in particular I always it's such an inclusive environment. I asked the the LGBT lads to put the words around the wings if anyone's, you know, scared to come out or they want to speak. They want to speak to me about being LGBT in a prison environment. I'm more than happy to listen to them and advise them accordingly. I'm not going to force them to come out, but I'm going to tell them about the good work that's being done in the prison service with the LGBT community.
1: And there really is a lot of good work being done. Andy is an out and proud gay man himself and now runs an LGBT forum for prisoners every couple of months at HMP Risley. And last time, 38 men turned up. But he told me that things had to change, as the men he worked with had experienced homophobia in prisons in the past.
9: In the prison environment, yeah, they've spoken about previous prisons that they've been to. They've reported it to staff. Staff haven't done anything about it. Um, they've gone down the DEERF process, which is the discrimination incident and form that we use in the prisons. I think there's still some work that needs to be done in in certain establishments, prison services as a whole, maybe, um, in getting prisoners to feel more accepted. But as I said before, the work that we're doing at the moment, um, I hope that does give the LGBT community some sense that, you know, it's it's not what they think it is. They're going to be beaten to death and robbed to death and sexually assaulted and all that kind of palaver. It's not like that in the prison system.
1: So... It's getting better for gay men inside. But what's it like to be trans in prison?
9: My
5: name's Lexi, Uh, I'm from London, and I was in Pentonville prison in 2019 for about six months.
1: And what you need to know here is that Lexi is a woman and Pentonville is a prison full of men. According to a statement from the Ministry of Justice, their official policy is that prisoners are sent to the prison matching their legal gender on their birth certificate. But a special board will consider any application to move a prisoner if they've transitioned and have a gender recognition certificate. Paperwork that Lexi didn't have.
5: My thing was always understanding that I'm going to probably go into a male prison. And I just thought I'd been into a male prison when I was younger as a male and I thought, how is this going to work? I was terrified. And when I got there, it was kind of uh, very scary and daunting at that initial that initial stage. Uh, there, there was a lot of um, confusion as to what to do with me. It was like a China doll was walked in the door. It was, oh, get this person, get that person. Oh, hang on, uh, hang on. you sit there, you sit there.
1: Because explain explain what you looked like then when he walked through the doors after your sentence, He you walked into prison, and what did you look like?
5: So I had come from court. So, you know, amongst me were all these sort of men in in tracksuits, grey tracksuits and suits, something like that. And then there's me in a pair of you know, court shoes and a a smart dress and blazer and makeup and lashes and nails and everything. Mm. Um, And it literally was just shock, and there was no kind of effort to hide the shock on people's faces, and this was stuff. So at that point, I thought, wow, this is what my experience is going to be like, it's going to be terrifying. However, it, it did change a little bit, so it wasn't as bad as I initially thought.
1: Lexi was assigned a transgender lead, which was quite a new role at the time. And she did ask to be moved to a women's prison. She was told that her application could take six months or more, and she'd probably be released by then. So she stayed and got on with it.
5: I had a better experience in prison as a trans woman than I did as a gay man. Really? Yes. Yeah. You know, it was hard. It was Prison was hard. The mental health side was hard. The loneliness was hard. Being in a cell on my own was hard, but I was safe i think i was quite safe
1: and lexi told me that what you're allowed to wear and what access to toiletries and makeup you have can vary
5: from prison to prison if you are a uh, transgender currently you are allowed to wear the clothes that you feel reflect your gender identity they took my heels off me which is horrible because i never used to wear flat and i was a, obviously my long nails grew off my, my fake nails and things like that but you are illegally allowed to have your makeup some prisons are more restrictive. Serco prisons, for example, they're much more restrictive. You have know, one foundation, one and the start. Whereas uh, HMP can be a little bit more disgusting in needs of you and stuff like that. So because everything's stripped away from you when you go to prison anyway. So if the only thing that I have to make me feel like a female is my makeup to cover my shadow or scars or whatever, and a dress, then surely that's my last given bit of freedom to take away from me. So I think they took, they took that very seriously. So you were wearing
1: dresses inside then, yeah?
5: Yeah, I was. But longer dresses and, and, look, I think it's all about being sensible. If you're going to be in a prison with a load of men, be sensible. The prison officer said to me once, just a bit of advice, we don't wear dresses, just because of the stairs, they're see-through. And we had a laugh about it and I thought, ah, now i get it. And, and, and it was kind of, like, I'll only wear that dress to court and I'll wear skinny jeans or whatever. So it's just about being appropriate. Don't go into a prison and be antagonistic. They haven't done it. The officers haven't haven't told you to go to a male prison. So try to work with them, just explain it uh, to them and, and, and maybe they'll be a little bit more interested.
1: She told me she was misgendered a few times by staff, though, so I asked her how that felt.
5: I would say it's she, or her, actually, sir. And, and if they, oh, whatever, I'd say, do you think I make all this effort, to be called he. You know, I'd, I'd kind of give a kind of snide remark, but in a... I don't know, I didn't want to kick off at people because everyone's got their own opinion and that, that, that's their thing. But if you're bringing it to me, or you're doing it in front of people to me, then it's a conversation I'm going to have with you.
1: A long time ago, before she was the woman she is today, Lexi was in HMP Manchester, or Strangeways, as it used to be called. It's a maximum security, Category A men's prison, with a history of riots and a tough reputation.
5: I went there when I was about 19 and it was my first ever offence and I, it was it was very confusing um, and I was terrified and I was bullied a bit with, with verbal abuse but never anything physical but at that age again I, I was able to use humour and banter to help me I don't know how that works but that's my defence
1: and Lexi did people work out that you were gay because uh, presumably didn't feel safe enough to come out did you?
5: I did come out. but They did know. They they they, they knew. I said, "Oh, gay boy," and I was like, "Yeah, what's it to you, darling?" That kind of thing. It was it was turn it on its head and make them feel silly. And I did. I, I developed a couple of friendships with some of the more stronger people on the wing, and they they looked after me and stuff like that. So, so I've been very lucky actually in that respect. But I did get more hostility from. Men and laughs and that when I was a gay man, when I was uh, when I went in as a trans woman, it was there, but they kept me away from it more.
1: And for Mikey, it was actually being in prison that gave him the time and space to start talking about his gender identity and start transitioning. If you're out in that kind of environment, it's more
7: accepted to be who you are, like regarding your sexuality and your gender. I think it's a lot more easier because there's a lot of people in there that can relate to you because out and about there could also be a lot more people that could relate to you but you don't stop and speak to as many people as if you was in the town centre today you wouldn't stop and speak to like so many people but if you're out on the yard in jail you can't exactly get away from everyone so there's a lot more conversation going on there's a lot more people that you can get to know, and they're in similar situations, like going through the same kind of journey, and you can all kind of relate to each other and help each other out with things like that, yeah, even some of the officers um during my journey when obviously I was going through my transition, one of the officers was doing it at the same time, and I had um a good relationship with this officer's partner who also worked in the jail and it was her that I opened up to about it at first. This officer's partner, and she said, "Well, this officer's going through the same thing. I'm gonna send him over to have a chat with you." And um, we kind of did our transition together, and it like it was it went well. Yeah, it was nice. Like as I was getting out to start my journey, like as a man. yeah, as a man, this gentleman was starting his journey as a man as well.
1: So it was it was really nice to just be able to see. So it was actually a prison officer who helped Mikey come to terms with his transition. And meanwhile, in another prison, somewhere else in the North West, another trans man was having a big impact on staff and prisoners alike by transitioning.
4: My name is Jackson Feely. I am 29 years old and I am a transgender man and a prison officer. I didn't realise that I was trans until about maybe 26, 27 years old, but when I look back now... I absolutely knew from being a child like absolutely knew. I was in the prison service for about 2 years and I loved my job. I loved what I was doing. But again, you know, my, my mental health just started to deteriorate big time and and in in an environment like that, it's very easy to to take your anger out, you know, on the wrong people or or get yourself in dangerous situations and it was just noticed that I wasn't the same prison officer that I was you know I I was always good at my job and I was always motivated and happy and enthusiastic and I was just becoming more and more angry and and not a lot of patience and obviously you get abuse as well like for different things so you know in a prison People are going to pick on your weaknesses if you have an argument with someone. You know whether that's calling you a slag or a dyke or whatever else. It's your yeah. weakness, isn't it? So this is
1: the prisoner's calling you this. Yeah. 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 So
4: if you have an alterc- if you have some sort of allocation with a prisoner, you know they're gonna they're gonna attack your weak link.
1: Jackson had joined the RAF as a teenager and had done tools of duty in the Middle East before becoming a prison officer. He loved his new job, but knew that he couldn't carry on unless he transitioned. So he took some time out started the process and then went back to work with a new name and a new attitude.
4: I would rather be on a plane to Iraq than, than walk back into a prison as a trans man. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And, you know, to this day, it is still is the most terrifying thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I ever did. And that is because it's just completely turned my life around and now... I wake up in the morning and I want to live and I want to achieve and I want to do all these things and and I believe that by stepping back into the prison it has changed so many people's mindsets. It's unbelievable, you know, including my own because I had no idea what I was about to go through. You know, And mm. it's so educating me and it has educated everybody else as well.
1: And did the prison service, your managers, support you well?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the prison I work at has been has been absolutely incredible in that sense and and they allowed me to you know initially just start back on nights because I wanted to just stay in the dark and and then obviously transition into going back onto onto the the unit that I work on now and and interact with everybody and and they've just allowed me to do everything at my own pace and and I think that is so so important. And
1: Jackson being out and proud is really helping others in the prison understand what it means to be trans. Because there's still a lot of misunderstanding, even amongst some gay and bisexual men.
4: There's one lad on my wing who I've known for a long time now, and he knew me as, as Jess, as as Miss Feely, for a few years before I went off. And, and I've been through a lot with, with him, working with him, and, and he's very out and proud and gay and, and does a lot for, for different LGBT groups and, and whatever else. And, and it's really educated him as well, you know, on, on the whole transgender subject, because he as much as people are part of lgbtq and and all these things the the transgender bit is still very taboo and 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 there is so much lack of knowledge and understanding in that subject because you know like you said before people don't probably don't even realize that they know someone who's transgender you know especially if they're not if they're not out and they Mm -hmm. they don't want people to know and and yeah it's just massively about the lack of understanding
1: what do you think it's like for for gay prisoners then is it is it easy for him to be out and proud inside a prison
4: no it's absolutely it's absolutely not not easy for him to be out and and i can see what what he does and i think he he does the right thing you know you just have to own it Mm. and i think if in a prison sense you know and and that doesn't just go for for you know having a different sexual orientation it's for anything you you cannot show weakness in that in those places and Mm. and i think he does the best thing in terms of of just owning it and saying this is who I am you know, take it or leave it you know, whatever else because I think if people with the wrong mindset or whatever sense weakness, you put you, you put yourself in a lot of danger and I think he has a lot of guts for, for how he is because he he, he does not hold back in, in any sense, you know, he's completely who he is and and that gets him quite a bit of abuse but it gets him respect at the same time
1: What sort of abuse does he get
4: then? Is it- he's experienced a lot in terms of of you know prisoners calling him you know whatever they want to call him you know all these these derogatory words and he gets a lot of that and you know i have no idea in in terms of how how long he's been in in prison what he's had to go through
1: and, and how do the prison service deal with that do they try and clamp down on homophobia yeah. and homophobic language
4: yeah well i mean 100% they, you know they, they do try and clamp down on it and it, it's a very difficult thing to deal with because a lot of the time it is behind closed doors and it, it it is out of earshot with staff and you know like in life there's not a lot you can do when it comes to words but in terms of, of any sort of bullying and the effect that it has on someone the prison service, you know, in terms of my establishment and what I've experienced, they, they, they don't want to stand for that. And, you know, I'm very passionate about not letting that happen as well. But it, it is so difficult when you don't hear it yourself and you don't really know what to do. And, and all we can do is support that person and and make sure that it gets reported and, and build a picture. And, and if we build enough of a picture, then we can sort of act on it and say, well, there is too much intelligence now to allow these people to stay together. But it's is, it is really difficult to deal with.
1: Hopefully we've busted a few myths about what it's like to be lesbian, gay, bi or trans inside a prison. Coming up on Pride Inside, we're going to look at how those people are sometimes given the chance to celebrate their sexuality or gender identity and actually take part in Pride events.
0: It's all about Pride. Let's go! Virgin Radio
1: Pride. Hi, I'm Emma Goswell and you're listening to Pride Inside on Virgin Radio Pride. As well as being a broadcaster, I'm an out lesbian who spent years working inside prisons. I wanted to challenge preconceptions about what it was like to be part of the LGBTQ community inside jail. So let's now hear how some prisons are actually holding pride events. We begin our journey in a land far, far away. OK, not that far away. Norway, to be precise.
2: My name is Mina Hadjin. I'm the CEO and founder of Norwegian prison radio, Røveradjum, directly translated, that would be Rascal Radio.
1: Rascal Radio. Is that (laughs) tongue-in-cheek?
2: Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're all rascals, aren't we?
1: Mina works in a maximum security men's prison. It's home to most of Norway's terrorists and gang members. In fact, just before I spoke to Mina, the man who is accused of killing two people and injuring 20 others at this summer's Oslo Pride was taken there. Safe to say it's a pretty tough
2: environment. They're an extremely marginalised group. Norway is a free country in the, in the sense that anybody can be whoever they want to be, marry whoever they want to marry and basically do what they like in that sense. But in prison you still have the, the heavy, macho society that you know they still say stupid homophobic things to each other oh that's so gay and I, I don't hear that outside prison only in prison so a lot of the L H B T Q people that are in prison they go back in the closet as soon as they get behind the prison walls because it feels safer and they're often harassed on the inside so we thought we have to do something about this
1: What were some of the stories you were hearing then from people in our community inside?
2: Well, one of our editorial staff uh, who is uh, incarcerated in Eidsberg Prison, or he was, he um, said that he was heterosexual and he was saying that to everybody quite loudly. So I think that made it more suspicious to the other people living there and he was threatened a lot and he felt not safe. Eventually, he told me that uh, he was gay, um, and also he wanted to transition to a woman, and uh, he didn't quite know how he was going to survive a Norwegian prison, because he got a 10-year sentence. And also, uh, one of our editorial staff that has come out and, and is working for us, his, uh, one of his best friends killed himself in prison last year, and... Uh, Simon is quite certain that he killed himself because of the abuse that he got for being gay. So
1: it was in this hostile, homophobic environment that Mina thought, I know, we need to have a pride
2: parade. And she says
1: that initially the prison authorities were unsure.
2: Well, first of all, they didn't think it would be safe and um, that something might happen, you know, that somebody might pretend to be in the parade for all the good reasons and then suddenly just start bashing people around them, but uh,
1: none of that happened. And she said the prisoners working at the radio station were very against the idea initially too.
2: When they heard that I wanted to have a pride parade in prison, they were like, ah, if my brother says he's gay, I'm going to shoot him in the face and and all this. And then I thought, okay, (laughs) then I have to start working with these guys first and foremost. And uh, like I told them, you're at work. We're going to have a pride parade in this prison, no matter what you say, because you don't decide that. I decide that. So we're having a pride parade. You're working here. So you're going to cover the pride parade. And uh, after a lot of whining, they showed up with bandanas. And, you know, they were hiding and they were like in a corner. And then after five minutes, everything was off and they were dancing. and They had the recorder and they were like, yeah. The, the gays are dancing under the sun today, and I'm like, oh my god, well, at least it's a start.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, this is actual audio of the Pride events in a prison in Norway. <laughs>
2: The whole parade was uh, from the start of the, what do you call it, the yard sort of thing, where they were, you know, with the big fences and the barbed wire. It was through the whole yard and it lasted about half an hour, 40 minutes. We kept stopping and we had an 11-piece band there that were screaming and singing and uh, yelling chants and we were waving flags and there was a concert inside the hall afterwards with lots of pride balloons and all the different organizations that had speeches. And um, the, one of the bosses of the correctional services called Heidi, she was so happy. I mean, I get the chills just thinking about it because I didn't know that uh, that she had had issues with being harassed herself. In the correctional services, when she served in, in Africa and other countries, she told people that she was gay and got a lot of abuse for it. So she was in the front of the parade with one of our uh, people living in prison and they had this huge banner and she was crying and we, were, <laughs> we, we had a good time, even though we were crying all the time. <laughs> and everybody was like uh, painting hearts on their faces and we had grilled burgers and cake. So prison pride may not be pride
1: events as we've come to know and love them over the years. There may be a parade, there'll be a talk, maybe protest and there'll be a celebration although, of course, without alcohol. Generally, they'll be pretty small affairs. But for Mina and everyone involved, it was a hugely important occasion.
2: I was amazed in how it went. Even though I never thought that there would be any fighting or anything like that, I was a bit stressed about would anybody show up because uh, you never know what kind of risk you take by showing up and then going back to your cell afterwards. But these guys, they didn't care. They were, it was like two massive guys with tattoos on their faces, waving the flag. Nobody's going to mess with them ever. I don't know, I just felt that it was something for everybody, for the people working in prison, for the people living in prison. It was an event that everybody felt very strongly. We sat for days afterwards and were like, what did we just do? What just happened? They showed up. Oh, my God they actually showed up. So it was uh, something I'll remember for the rest of my life.
1: Amazing work going on in Norway, thanks to a true LGBT ally. Closer to home, let's hear from someone who had a brilliant idea on how to involve prisoners in one of the biggest pride parades in England.
10: So I'm Sarah Hartley, and I'm from Norvis, which is prison education, and I'm the, the National Lead for Creative Strategies.
1: One thing you need to know about prisons is that education is a huge part of the rehabilitation work that goes on. Prison Radio, where I worked, was an important part of that. Sarah joined forces with the qualities Departments in prisons across the North West to get the prisoners making stuff for Manchester Pride. Now, the parade in Manchester is unusual in that every year it has a different theme. This year, on August Bank Holiday, the theme is the March for Peace. But in 2018, It was the Circus of Acceptance. And if you were watching that year, you would have seen a float from PIPs, which stands for Pride in Prisons and Probation. LGBT prison officers and probation staff took to the streets waving banners and wearing costumes that were made exclusively by prisoners. It had never been done before.
10: We had a circus tent, so somebody made a costume that some poor person had to wear throughout the whole parade. Um, A (laughs) full-on big big top Circus tent. We had top hats and kind of quite flamboyant circus ringmaster type costumes. We had a big cloak that one department had created and invited all learners in the department and also wider prisoners to contribute their thoughts on acceptance. And they were kind of all collated in little pouches that made up this court. Wow. Um, and then placards. For me, it was important that we had like a, some kind of continuity throughout the whole parade, so it wasn't just random bits and bobs throughout. It was kind of a collective response. Yeah, it was really, really successful, and we won the Best Public Sector entry that year.
1: Andy Ritchie, who you heard from before, from HMP Risley, got prisoners creating for the Manchester Pride float too, and was thrilled that their entry was award-winning.
9: The 2018 event is probably one of my biggest highlights of being in the prison service. For us to win the award in 2018 shows to the the Manchester Pride organisers that we we were better than the other. I think there was about another 40 or 50 public sector entrants that year and Mm. we came top. It makes the prisoners feel very, very proud and they ought to be very proud with what they've done.
1: So making stuff for Manchester Pride is pretty cool, but if you're an LGBTQ plus prisoner, You want your own events, don't you? To feel that joy of being accepted, to know that it's okay to be you in the environment that you're in. And Pride events have happened. At Buckley Hall, for example, near Rochdale.
3: I'm um, Duncan Craig and I'm the founder and chief executive of Survivors Manchester.
1: Duncan's charity supports boys and men affected by sexual abuse, rape and sexual exploitation. He was asked to start working in prisons to support men who were victims. His crucial work at HMP Buckley Hall near Rochdale later led him to setting up something celebratory.
3: So the the project itself um, relies really heavily on partnership working, working with Safer Custody, working with the wing staff, working with the Drug and Alcohol Service, working with mental health. And actually what we began to notice was more and more people were coming to healthcare to talk about other issues. Mm. So I remember a nurse once saying to me, in the past, like month, we've had more people coming to talk to us about lumps and bumps they're finding in private parts that they've never done before, mm-hmm. and say for custody, we're also talking about in some of their um, in their gay men's group or gay bisexual men who have sex with men's group that there was something about our service was being talked about more and more. I think it kind of turned out to be a bit of a. Well, if people can talk about this really difficult thing, we can talk about anything. And then that's where kind of the LGBT stuff really came. So um, we were asked to be involved in the first Pride on the Inside that we did. The first one, we really had to kind of cajole people to get there and, you know, give them sort of a little bit of an understanding that it'll be safe, it'll be secure... By the second year, so this would have been then 2019, we literally were trying to stop people from coming in. It was so busy. And actually, what was really interesting is so many of the people that had accessed our service were then being the best allies that they could possibly be. It was fascinating to see so many heterosexual, self-identifying straight males who are in prison for some really serious offences standing up for LGBT people, for for gay and bisexual men.
1: And like a lot of the staff that go into prisons that we've already heard from, Duncan is also making things easier for LGBT plus inmates by being open about the fact that he too happens to be a gay man.
3: I always wear my NHS pride flag. I remember a conversation once where so one of my clients who was with a load of his mates were on the wing and said something like, oh, well, what about your missus? Because they see my wedding ring. And I said, oh, it's not my missus, it's my husband. And there was no, no concern whatsoever. There was just this matter-of-fact conversation.
1: So as a result of all these open discussions, it was decided to hold a pride event at Buckley Hall. Duncan says it was a very small event when they first started in 2018.
3: So inside the um, Safe for Custody's kind of group room, we had some sandwiches, we had um, a rainbow cake. Nice. Um, and and we just kind of sat down and chatted. We had, I think we had um, a tape on of a little bit of music and because it, had, it happened after Manchester Pride... Then I shared with with a couple of the lads like what the parade looked like, who was there, that kind of stuff.
1: But then a year later, in 2019, it all came together perfectly.
3: The following year, one of my best friends in the whole wide world was a wonderful drag queen called Cheddar Gorgeous and cheddar aka michael came into the prison with us and um, we we had balloons up we had pride flags up we had cakes and biscuits and sandwiches and cordial and um we, there was a big wooden tree and every single person that came in had to write a comment on like a like a luggage tag And we hung it up on the tree. Like, what's been important today? So the room was full and some staff came up and we just had a bit of a chat, some music. Michael did a really brilliant presentation and we covered the place in photographs of Pride. So the Pride Parade and pictures of Michael and his friend drag queen friends.
6: I bet they
1: were buzzing to meet Cheddar Gorgeous though, because some of them must have seen them on TV, right?
3: Well, yeah. So there was two individuals that had seen um drag SOS yeah. uh, on Channel Four, yeah. God save all gracious queens. Long live all noble queens, God save our queens. Yeah, so there was lots of kind of like tell us what it's like filming and actually some really really quite elevated questions around gender around you know gender identity and and particularly kind of the fluidity around it really really intelligent questions really intelligent conversations
1: yes you did hear that correctly a drag queen in a prison.
3: My name is Cheddar
0: Gorgeous. I'm a self-professed cultural icon, drag queen and unicorn based here in the wonderful northwest.
1: But Cheddar isn't your average drag queen. They've got a lot of strings to their bow. So perhaps it isn't surprising they were there.
0: I am a drag artist now, but in my other life, I was a researcher. I'm a former anthropologist. Well, I don't think anybody really ever gives up anthropology. You stay an anthropologist for life. But I used to work for uh, an organisation that worked with people who left prison and as part of that I went into prison quite a lot so it's not a completely unfamiliar environment for mm. me and I trained originally as a social worker so I've done quite a lot of work with people with quite chaotic lives I've done a lot of work with drug users i done a lot of work with street homeless people and all of those worlds can be quite enmeshed but it's interesting going into that world as a drag artist because obviously all of my other experience was as a community worker or as a researcher and then to go into that world if you like With the part of my life which the most light is focused on, Mm. which is the life on stage. So it was a strange thing to be asked, but it kind of makes sense.
1: And as Duncan explained earlier, it wasn't a typical Pride event.
0: The event is not in any way what you would consider to be a conventional Pride, though. It is not a big mad party Um, There is no parade. There was some very limited music, but basically it was a group of people in the prison that have identified themselves either as being gay, bisexual men or allies. And you have to remember, allyship sometimes might be an expression or a way of, if you like, putting your hand up without necessarily having it snapped off. Mm. A group of guys who would get together and we had a discussion and we talked about masculinity and we talked about being gay and we talked about the difficulty of that within prison Uh, and we had a piece of cake.
1: (laughs) And Cheddar knows that the event had a huge impact on those who attended. I
0: think it's just an important thing to have a break from the grind of prison. Mm. Uh, To have a break from that normal daily routine for a little moment of of celebration, um, I think that stuff's really, really important for queer people because so often, and particularly in prison, but outside of prison too, so often those aspects of our lives are something that's used against us and used as something to grind us down. Um, and to have that reinforced within prison in the way that it is, I think it's really important to create that moment of space mm. where people can just feel safe because safety is also something that isn't always readily available in prison.
1: And it's great that they felt safe enough to go to the event because oh they word. would have had to tell their Padme or other people yeah. would have known what event they're going to. You can't keep secrets in a prison.
0: Yeah. But that's also the kind of sneaky little thing about Pride that's quite good. It's seen as a privilege, obviously, mm. to be able to go and celebrate that. And I think for those guys who are nervous about coming out or nervous about maybe potentially being seen as gay or bisexual, they can just say they're going for the cake. You know what I mean? Because in prison, that's that's a rare thing too. But that does become a way of either A, showing allyship or allowing you to access that safe space in a safer way. I think for those guys in prison, it's the feeling of connectedness to something in the outside world that isn't crap, right? Mm. (laughs) So it's that idea that actually this bit of your life might be really difficult right now in the environment you're in, but it's connected to something else. There's pictures of pride parades and there's pictures pictures of me in there in drag and doing all sorts of fun stuff. And hopefully it's that conduit to go, get through this, do your time, work hard, work on yourself, and then there is this world
3: outside for you.
1: Duncan from Survivors says the impact of the events really can't be underestimated.
3: There was um, um, two individuals who came from a particular community, I'm not going to say which community, but they were both very, very tentative about stepping forward, about coming in to the Pride the second year we did it. And um, I was walking out of the main doors and the the, the, uh, wooden tree that has all the thought messages on it One of them was stood there and shouted me over and said, can you write this for me? So his um, reading and writing was not of a standard that Hmm. was... um, He wasn't able to read and write, quite frankly. And I said, yeah, yeah, what do you want me to write? And he he asked me to write a message, and the message went something along the lines of, it wasn't until today that I realised I need to change my thinking. I'm sorry for what I've said in the past... And, and lit- Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I genuinely had tears rolling down my cheeks because it's not just a 360-degree turn. It's like triple somersault change. It was just unbelievable. And I know, because I spent a fair bit of time with him afterwards, what impact that had had. So he went back and challenge so much incidental homophobia so the stuff that we let go by even things around you know oh don't do that it's gay Mm. meaning it's bad or it's terrible he was like the person that was sort of arguing with people to say you shouldn't be saying that and because he was such a big prominent figure it was phenomenal
1: meanwhile at the women's prison hmp style 2019 saw their biggest pride event Mikey was one of those who attended. When I first went into jail, pride
7: was a big thing. As soon as pride was coming, everyone was excited. We was allowed to order clothes, get them sent in, like dress up with pride flags and face paint, diamondies glitter and all that. It was wonderful. I ended up wearing a white T-shirt with the pride flag on it. I had a big pride flag tied around me like a cape. Yeah. the sh- stripy socks <laughs> and um diamond is stuck all over my face fabulous did you feel fabulous? Of course I did it's <laughs> <That's> amazing <laughs>
1: <laughs> and was everyone else making
7: an equal effort? yeah, a lot of efforts it was quite fun, actually, even like all the all the old people that you wouldn't like expect was was having a like a real laugh there, like dancing with us all and stuff like that. Well quite a lot of the officers got into it as well.
1: So it's a big celebration day for, yeah, the, for it was. the whole prison. It was prison. a massive
7: celebration.
1: Did pretty much everyone take part in it?
7: Yeah, everyone. Everyone took part in it. It was. It was really good. Even the dog. One of the officers brought the dogs in. He had a little pride flag on it on his um on his collar, like a little pride bandana.
1: And like the prisoners that Cheddar and Duncan came across, it was hugely important for Mikey to take part in that event. It was really good. It was nice to know that
7: like the governors and stuff like accepted you like that because you don't know. At first, like, you don't think, oh, I'm going to go into jail and, like, obviously the staff are going to be all right with me being gay and stuff like that, because you don't really think, oh, I'm going to go to jail, there's going to be,
1: like, loads of people like me. Just last month, in July 2022, a Pride event took place at Askham Grange Prison near York. Here's Andy Lee again.
8: What we did was, on the back lawn, there's a large area of grass and there were three shelters. The prisoners and the staff decorated that area with all the flags and the bunting. There were tables set up, there was a coconut shy. there was a a hoopla uh, stand, a ping-pong one. There was also uh, prisoners that were doing uh, the glitter face paint.
1: Excellent. I mean, you can't really have pride without glitter, can you, Andy?
8: Oh, no, there was plenty of glitter, uh, (laughs) plenty of uh, flags. And uh, a couple of the prisoners, uh, for the week before, we'd arranged some plain white T-shirts and some tie-dye. So what they did was they tie-dyed the T-shirts, and everybody got a T-shirt in the prison, whether they were going, they were partaking in the event or not. And then also we did our version of Eurovision, which we called Askem Vision. Excellent. Uh, And that was judged by the Pip team.
1: And Andy knows that this will have a huge effect on those prisoners who took part.
8: What they actually said was, it makes them feel included, because in society they can be marginalised, they can be subject to ridicule, abuse even physical violence. For them to be actually allowed to be who they are within a custodial setting was what they enjoyed the most.
1: So one thing I worried about when making this programme is about attitudes to prisoners. Will everyone accept that these events need to keep happening? I'm not naive enough to assume that everyone is okay with this. There will be those who think that prisoners are in prison to be punished... There'll be those who think they're not there to celebrate any aspect of their lives, sexuality or gender or otherwise. Well, I wanted to give the final word to my contributors, so I asked them all why they thought that prisoners needed to celebrate pride inside. Here's what they said.
2: They're a part of society. We're not living in the Middle Ages. What's happening on on the outside should also be happening on the inside because since we're letting everybody out someday, you want to know who's going to be your neighbour. I don't want a homophobic uh, beep, 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 next to
5: my house. Going to prison is the punishment. Going to prison is being taken away from any job, career that you have, any relationships that are going to struggle or be broken, money, belonging. That is enough to punish anyone.
1: Lexi didn't get a Pride event, but wish she had. I think it would have made
5: a difference to me not being so unusual to look at I mean, like I said, the celebrity thing I use, I use that word, because you do get that kind of attention sometimes, Mm. oh wow, look, there's someone very different, Um, I think maybe if there was more going on about it, and there was articles going around and posters and and events I I do think it would just stop it being such a shock factor Mm. which would make it a little bit easier for people to then potentially talk and not cause harm, you know?
1: And Rachel missed out too, but would have loved a pride inside.
6: Yeah, it would have been cool, huge liberation I think yeah, definitely one to uh, bring everyone together. <laughs> there's there's not many things to enrich your life in there. You know, for me, it was creativity. And I guess, yeah, it would have definitely enriched our state, our well-being.
8: Our argument is the the punishment from the courts is a loss of liberty. It's not a a loss of who they are. So everybody deserves to be who they are. We just support them in a positive way
4: regardless of whether they're in prison or not they're still massively part of society and that and changing their mindsets is just as important as changing everybody else's and especially as those people will will again be on the outside world you know in society so if we're not going to try and change their mindsets as, as well as everybody else's then there's there's no point because otherwise the world will stay the same i think
0: a lot of people get down on any idea of prisoners being given any moment of relief. And I think that's a really silly attitude to have because it's really important in rehabilitating somebody to show them that there are places for them outside in the world where they will be celebrated for a contribution to a community and for being part of a community. Uh, it's one thing to punish, but without actually giving an outlet for a person to grow, what's the point?
1: I asked Duncan from Survivors what he'd specifically say to someone criticising pride on the inside events.
3: Sit down and shut up. That's what I'd quite frankly say to it because our prison system is not about locking people up and throwing away the key. I say this very strongly as a victim of sexual violence. Mm. It's about rehabilitation. And if we want people to come back out into the community and be active participants in a pro-social community then we need to start teaching people
1: They're passionate aren't they and they're right to be Pride started as a protest and in a way it still is because we've still got so much to be angry about Pride's also about discussion it's about education but it's also about celebration In the outside world, that celebration might mean dancing in the streets, drinking, partying, making new friends and lovers, covering yourself in glitter, staying up all night and feeling happy to be you. In prisons, as we've heard, it's a lot more tame. There'll be speeches, there'll probably be a workshop, there may be a parade, there may even, if you're very lucky, be a drag queen. But there will always be cake. And you know what? I say let them eat cake. But cake in every colour of the rainbow, eaten with a big old smile. Eaten with the smile of someone who knows that however bad life gets, despite the fact they're in prison, they can feel safe and they can feel pride inside. This has been Pride Inside, produced and presented by me, Emma Goswell, for audio always on Virgin Radio Pride. It's all about Pride. Virgin Radio
5: Pride.
0: The Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported
9: by Disney Plus. Full of stories and love for all.